Hello, hello, it's Paul Cook Talks. Oh my gosh, it's so great to be with you. We're going current today, and yes, we're going deep. I'm telling you, these are crazy times. And I know I know a little bit about you, and I know myself. Sometimes things are somewhat stable in our lives. I'm not... Uh, saying they are fully in yours or mine, but we think the crazy is in the media, right? I mean, I know that's definitely a theme that, you know, what we're seeing is not America that we know. And you're right, Paul, it's crazy, crazy time. But usually it's what I see on TV, media, online, TikTok. But there's also a huge part of us who are listening right now who are, might be shaking our heads and saying, yes, this world is fallen and in trouble, and it's not just in the media, it's not just on social media, it's in my own life. And not meaning that's a weakness, but just, gosh darn it, unemployment, or dealing with a divorce, or maybe it's mental illness. These are real things that we need to realize about the people around us. And I'm telling you, the thing that hit me right between the eyes on Thursday morning was the suicide of Twitch. He is the guy that was on with Ellen DeGeneres for years and years, one of Justin Timberlake's best friends, and a guy that universally everyone says was always in a good mood, And even days before his apparent suicide, now this is alleged, was in a great mood. Even, even what happened with Twitch is that he went, by the way, his name is Stephen Boss, called Twitch. He left his house abruptly on Tuesday morning of this past week. Nothing had gone terribly wrong with his wife, his beautiful wife, Allison Holker. I mean, they have a wonderful, beautiful family. He left the house. She didn't know why. He was not returning any of her calls. So that's weird. He cuts off communication. And what we find out about Twitch is that he went to a motel less than a mile away from where they live there in Los Angeles. And... Booked it for one night, one night at a motel. People at the counter and there at the hotel, motel, say he was in good spirits, no problems. The next day, his wife is freaking out, saying he left. This is not like him. Why would he even do this? Just hours later, a 911 call was made that he had been discovered in the motel and was in the bathroom with a believed self-inflicted gunshot wound. In fact, no one even heard the gunfire. They just found him. And I thought, wow, looking at pictures of him and his family, it's hard to see anything was wrong. But isn't that the mystery and trauma of suicide, you don't see anything wrong. It comes as a total shock so many times. And most of all, it's 
inexplainable. Now, this whole podcast today is not about suicide, but this definitely spurred on my thinking about these are troubling times. And as weird as it is, this type of thing can be contagious, meaning it's a story someone sees and then there can be more. I pray, pray, pray that that does not happen. But if you're really low and you see that even this guy isn't happy, I worry about it. And I say, reach out to somebody you know who you do feel is really low. Reach out to all the people you love and tell them you do love them. And that whatever they are feeling right now, even, you know, your kids, even your parents, if it's low, it's temporary. It's not permanent. I mean, it's so crazy how our moods fluctuate. Even the most stable or let's just say boring people have mood fluctuations, right? And if you live your life on those emotions, you might be in trouble. It's that whole facts versus feelings thing. So anyway, incredibly sad to read about Twitch and I just can't believe it went down like that. It's one of those things where you think, okay, conspiracy theory. Why this guy would not do that? And, you know, you hear that all the time. He wouldn't have done that. That's not him. And gosh darn it, it ends up being something that happened. Um, And I believe that's the case probably in this one as well. Just so very sad to hear about his passing on Thursday of this week. As we head into the holidays, I pray that uh, we don't hear about any more and and no one we know uh, deals with this. But like I said, it's a fallen world. There are so many weird moments out there. And after the pandemic, if you can call it after, let's just say after COVID originally came, we've dealt with a lot of anxiety, depression. And I think it, it is kind of affected our nervous systems in a way. I don't mean so much uh, as biologically it has, which I there's probably part of that too. But even, you know, I know the vaccine has affected people differently. It's just a troubling, troubling time. So I think, you know, we can't know for sure what's causing all of this, but we can kind of be a little more attuned to others around us and ourselves that we're not going to be perfect during these times. It's still going on. It's still happening. I mean, the wave of anxiety and poor mental health after this. And like we always do, it's Paul Cook, by the way. Paul Cook talks on News Talk STL. Thanks for listening. We do this in normal times. We compare ourselves to everyone else. I mean, that's horrible right now as well but we compare our insides to their outsides. Oh, they have it all going, you know, Facebook, brag book, my family's great book. We always do that. And then right now, gosh, it's even worse. Along with everything, the social media uh, of life and everybody's got some big, you know, saying when they accept an award, keep working for your dreams and they will come. Or, you know, you had low moments, but they were good for you. They were here to help you. Okay. Like, I kind of like shake my head when I hear those things. And I I like, you know what? You're oversimplifying. (laughs) 
You're oversimplifying things, Jim Carrey and even Matthew McConaughey. I mean, we don't know what each person is dealing with, even Tony uh, Robbins. You're oversimplifying what is a very complex situation, and that is people's mental health. These can be very, very difficult times. And I, I think maybe my past two years has helped me to see that, that these platitudes about mental health and about being a survivor are personal. You know, they are personal and not always uh, something that is a one size fits all that everybody could do. You know, just do what I did. I used to think that. You know, I used to think that you're not working hard enough for your mental health and, well, you're not going to get it then. But life isn't a, a victimhood of the traveling pants, you know? It's not all something we can just name our pain and then overcome it. And I guess that's what I'm saying here today is that we're all a little bit insecure. And I know I've talked about that on the podcast a lot, but everyone is dealing with a, a daily fight and pressures about their lives, about where they think they should be. And we need each other. And that's one huge thing we went without for the last two years or, or more. And some people are still going without. And it's another reason why it's important to get back together. It's important to be safe. But our kids are suffering to not be together and not have that contact that our um, nervous systems crave. I think that's so important. You know, I've been studying anxiety and stress for the past five years, maybe 10 actually. And you know, when the shock finally lowered a little after you know, being diagnosed at the time with stage four colorectal cancer end up being stage three. But I decided to kind of figure out why I was responding the way I was after that diagnosis. It was unpleasant, right? You know, you're dealing with sweating. That doesn't smell great. Agitation, lack of sleep, in an incredible amount of spaciness, right? I wish I was more just agitated and uh, my brain was firing all at once, but I was spacey. So weird. Lack of motivation. And I learned that these things were side effects of a persistent relationship with adrenaline. Let me say that again. These were side effects of a persistent relationship with adrenaline. Do you know anyone like that who's always trying to make the day, always running and gunning, not looking after themselves, mentally, physically, spiritually? A persistent relationship with adrenaline is corrosive. It's bad. And I think it was probably part of me getting cancer. The natural chemicals that we manufacture are only useful temporarily when they serve a survival situation. So when you're letting them fire so much, you're eroding your mental health. Even if you have a fun job, maybe you're like Twitch 
not that you're like Twitch, but you have a fun job and entertainment. I had that. You know, I was on the radio DJing, yet I was still living in constant stress. So I was living in that constant fight or flight mode, which is doing much more harm than good. And it kind of felt like my psyche was deteriorating in a way. I felt a little zombie-like at times. I think that was my body taking a break, saying, you got to stop, dude. You got to stop. And I will tell you something. I know I'm not alone. Maybe you're hearing this on News Talk STL for a reason. I know it's out of kind of the format. Vic and I talked about it along with Ken Williams on Friday on News Talk STL on the Vic Porcelli show. And I'm so glad we went there. Vic even said, call me. Let's talk. Let's talk about it if you're dealing with something like that. Uh, And he was talking to listeners. So I thought that was pretty cool. We also have something uh, very much in common, our love of a certain form of entertainment. And it can be very useful as well. And we're going to take a pivot here right now. And I want to bring Vic in on a Sunday. You know, Vic, we talked about Twitch on Friday. And, um, you know, there's a lot of medicines out there and a lot of things people can take to feel better. But there's also something that they suggest, and that is watching something funny, you know? Comedy is the best medicine. It really is. I mean, it's there's some kind of physical reaction uh, that happens. Maybe not in the moment. Maybe you're laughing or whatever. But then afterwards, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is right, you know? Right. I mean, you know, like you said, if, if, if you got a headache, you take something that relieves the headache. If you're down, you watch something that makes you up, and that's comedy. Yes, that's exactly right. And nothing does it. I mean, there's some great funny movies, and I know you're a movie fan, um, but the stand-up comedy that is, you know, honed from some of the greats, that is what really does it. You know what? The difference is, Paul, a movie, a funny movie is something that is shot. Okay, take two, take three, all right, take four. How many times do they do takes in movies? But, you know, like you said, the craft of stand-up comedy. It's just a person with a microphone and a crowd and stand-up comedy is something where you get reaction immediately. You don't have to wait Mm. the next day to read the review. The crowd tells you if you're funny or if you're not. Oh man. Isn't that the truth right there? And it, it, that also makes it absolutely terrifying if you were to try to do it. Yeah, I did try to do it. (laughs) You know, when I was young, I I wanted to do it and I, uh, I, I did it at this, uh, it was kind of like a coffee house, really. It wasn't really a, a restaurant, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, I had to go audition for the guy who was the uh, entertainment director, right? We'd go to the place, I'd sit across a little table from him, and I'd have to do my material right in front of him, oh. sitting at the table, wow. right? And the thing, the thing about this guy, Paul, that made me nuts, I would tell a joke, right? Great joke, and he would just go, that's very funny. Like he didn't <laughs> laugh. Or he didn't laugh. I was like, are you sure? Cause you didn't really like it. Not, not, not. He must heard every joke in the world ever. You know? Yes. He could and see he it coming. Yeah. Baby. yeah. And he was like, yes, that's very funny. I'm like, Oh my God, this is what I got to deal with. They say that's so, how you know, Lauren I, Michaels does it too. You know, he doesn't really laugh. Oh, really? Yeah. Lauren just, yep. Yeah, that's very funny. Yes. Right. So, I hope you're right. 
you know, because here we go. We're going with it tonight. Yeah, right. Oh, man. So what was that like? So then you got up there, or how did it go? Yeah. yeah it, how did it go? I had, I had night. Oh, yeah. The symptom, yeah, that was like at like 11 or 12 o'clock in, in, during the day. And then about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, they they would have. The, the place was uh, like a just a I, – I, it's hard to describe it. They didn't sell liquor. You could bring a bottle of wine uh-huh. or you could bring something to drink with you. And I don't think they had anything to eat. <laughs> just sit there and drink and, and watch comedy. And then downstairs, they had a place uh, that was just coffee and, and dessert at night. Matter of fact, it was called Just Desserts was was the place. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, yeah, I would go up there and I'd do my thing. And, you know, I thought I was hysterical. And, you know, looking back, Paul, how to study comedy and how, to, and how there's a formula to it. And I didn't know the formula because nobody told me there was a formula. I just thought these guys were funny. Yep. And, you know. It, it, it's harder. It's so much harder than it looks. Oh, I dabbled a little as well, less than you, but I know I didn't know the formula either. Like, Hey, you're funny. You know, you should do this. And I, you, you go try it and man, it's, you're so exposed. And just like so many things in writing, you know, I uh, trying to write a screenplay. There's a format there or a book that we don't think about when we just digest it and take it in. But man, so much goes into it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you're writing a screenplay, right? What do you what do you base the humor on? What do you how do you how do you write jokes into a screenplay? Mm. You know, you know, I could base a screenplay on a conversation in this house twenty four seven. Yes, you know? yes, <laughs> absolutely. I bet you could. Well, so then, what? How come you went a different direction than the comedy? Well, you know, it was it was not working, man. You know, I mean. <laughs> Plus, plus it was a time in my life. I think it was when I was at the post office, when I was working at the post office, you know, yeah. and it'd have to be out late, very late at night. And then, you know, be at, at work for the post office the next day at seven o'clock in the morning, you know? Man. So, yeah. And, and I just, you know, never, never really, uh, went after it. But what got me going was a movie that I think you and I are going to talk about called yes. Richard Pryor live in concert. Right. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, Back then, there wasn't streaming. There wasn't even VHS yet, you know? And it was in the movie theater. So I went to the movie theaters and watched this movie. Richard Pryor on the big screen in a theater, you know? Yeah. And I walked out inspired. At the time, Richard, well, and of course, even now, Richard Pryor was controversial, right? He was very controversial for so many reasons, Paul. I mean, you know, first of all, uh, the drug use, you know, and and with Mm -hmm. his drug use, he was so unpredictable in what he would do. And, you know, just so the audience remembers that Blazing Saddles was co-written by Richard Pryor, you know. Oh, oh my gosh. He wrote all the stuff, you know, all, all the stuff, all the racial stuff. He wrote it all, you know. Wow. And he was actually supposed to be Sheriff Bart. The original plan was for him to be <laughs> Sheriff Bart. And the studio, Paul, said, no way. Too volatile, too much of a loose cannon, and that's why. Um, wow. Uh, that's why why he, he didn't become uh, sheriff part. Wow. I wonder if they just thought maybe he wouldn't show up or what, because you know of all the substance abuse. He had, he, he had a reputation, you know, and it's funny that Mel Brooks at the time he had this formula on how to deal with the with the studio, you know, like they did. You remember the the beans the beans scene in Blazing Saddles yes. when they're all sitting there on your beans. 
the, the studio said, no, we don't want that in the film. They cut that out of the film. And Mel Brooks says, yep, absolutely. We'll cut it out of the film. Not going to be in the film. And he just ignored him and he left it in the film. Oh you know my what I mean? Gosh. So Mel Brooks knew how to deal with him. I guess Richard Pryor did not. Richard Pryor, I don't think, needed the hassle, you know, because he was, you know, you know, movie star at, at the time. And yes. And a stand-up comic guy. So, yeah. So, but he wrote all the N-word uh, jokes in, in Blazing Saddles. I did not know that. I just recently, well, maybe in the last 10 years, started looking at the credits. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, things. Yeah. And it sounds like Vic Porcelli has been looking at the credits for a long time and knows all these Here's details. Here's my thing, Paul. Here's what I do. I watch a movie, and then I go to IMDb, and I go to the trivia section. Yeah. And I, re- I read all the trivia about the movie, even if it's like, you know, on a movie like uh, JFK. We were talking about JFK on Friday, right? Yeah. And I... I, so I watched it the other night. I watched it like Friday night. I watched the whole thing and then went back and, and, and read the trivia about it. And I did the same thing with, uh, you know, Richard Byron concert and mm. any movie I watch, I go and I, I, I read the trivia, which is you just learn some amazing stuff. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know, everything about that, uh, De Niro movie, uh, that you were just talking about where Jimmy Hoffa is played by Al Pacino. What's that called? The uh, Irishman. The Irishman. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, did you do that with that movie too? Oh, just last week. <laughs> okay. Well, I it, we've talked about this. We're going to do a series on the best best stand-up comedians that there are. So you've already talked about it. Unbelievably that we're already kind of short on time here. But oh, no. yeah, you've talked about it already that we're going to do Richard Pryor. We're go- and then you tell me who else you think. We've talked about two others. Well, I think George Carlin, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, because here, here's my here's my take on these two guys, right? Yes. George Carlin, over a body of work, over years and years, absolutely my favorite. I used to memorize his albums and do it for my friends when I was a kid. So I think over a body of work, it's George Carlin. But for one particular performance, Richard Pryor, live in concert, is the greatest 90 minutes or so of stand-up comedy. So I wanted to do those two guys. And I think now the new head honcho, Big Cheese, is Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, see, you know what? You're not stuck in an older time. I mean, he is hot and hilarious. Yes, he is so great and so funny. And, you know, being Italian, of course, I get all the Italian humor, Mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, I'm into reaction videos right now, watching things, and I'm watching three people sit on the couch and react to it. Oh, my gosh. And I wow. love doing that. You know what? And you should do a segment like that on the radio almost. You know what I mean? It's difficult, but the little chiming in, kind of the Mystery Science 3000 kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. All I got to say is, Paul, stay tuned. Oh. Wow. With that idea, you just just stay tuned. We Boy, always think alike. Wood is burning. Wood is burning down there at the powerhouse. I don't know. What does that mean? Oh, just you know, the different like when, things. When somebody's thinking, I can smell the wood burning. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So tell me your favorite. Run it through if you're okay. You're Sebastian. What is your favorite little part of that? Him. Oh, uh, well, I, a lot, I, like I said, a lot of the Italian stuff. Um, but there's one where he says going to an Italian wedding is very different than going to non-Italian weddings because Italians don't register at bed, bath and beyond. You know, you don't, you don't bring a toaster to a wedding. Italians bring cash (laughs) and the bride and the groom have this uh, little satin bag. It says cash real big over the front, you know, 
And it's so true. I mean, when, when my wife and I went to our first wedding here in St. Louis, we don't, we don't, you don't know the customs, right? Yeah. So we go to this wedding and we bring cash, you know, <laughs> and, and then there's this table full of gifts. I looked at my wife, I said, uh Oh, <laughs> I think we messed this up. Like, is this for us? Then, Do we take one of these gifts home? What's the deal? Right, is this a going away present? <laughs> um, but, you know, this, and then when we're eating, it's like, well, what'd you get him? Oh, I got him a blender. I got him a toaster. And if they can just, what'd you bring? I said, we brought cash. That's what you do in New Jersey. So just all the Italian stuff is just great. And, and you put and, you know, take out the cash and put it, you know, just give them the cash. No card, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's just one of, of many things that he said, you know, uh, about being Italian and I completely connect with, and I, I watch these three people, their reaction videos to a lot of stuff. They do Bill Burr and they've done George Carlin yeah. and they've done Richard Pryor, but not the right Richard Pryor. Um, oh. and they do the Italian stuff and they, they're not laughing. They don't get it. You know what I mean? They, they don't really? understand. Yeah. Well, how could you, you know, if you don't live in New Jersey, you're not Italian. How would you know? that people bring cash. You know what I mean? It's funny though. I didn't know that, yeah. but it's so funny. Um, well, you know what else? Remember when DVDs came out, you, you, the actors or the director would do a director's cut or whatever you call it, where they would kind of stop the video and commentate on it. Do you know what I mean? Like commentary. this was really diff- commentary. Right commentary. Yeah. Like this was difficult. We couldn't find any pumpkins, you know, or whatever. Yeah, right. uh, that's maybe kind of the concept here of these reaction videos. You could do that. It is. Well, yeah, it is. It is that. But the, the best part about the reaction videos is you're watching people watch something for the first time. Mm. You know, mm. They're not comment. They're not commentating. Oh, okay. On, okay. They haven't seen something it. Something they know. Right. It's first thing out of the box. And you know, like with Sebastian, he's so outrageous, you know, and, yeah. and, and when you watch him, you just laugh out loud, you know, and these people just sit on the couch and they laugh like heck. And it just makes me smile. It makes me laugh, you know? Vic, where are you finding these? Where are you finding these? YouTube. YouTube. Why, why would you do that? Um, <laughs> YouTube. Just, okay. I, just, I just type in Sebastian Meniscalco. Because I did that when I first got into Hamilton. Yeah. Because um, my favorite songs in Hamilton are the King George songs, you know? Uh-huh. And you've seen Hamilton, right? I have, but I'm a little like Sebastian. Okay. I didn't get it. Oh no, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> like the master. Are you my my wife and I equally dumb? Equally um, dumb. So funny. So the the King George songs are the ones that just think are so funny and you know slower for me to to watch. So I started watching uh, music teachers and vocal coaches watching Jonathan Groff do the songs. And, and their reactions as vocal coaches, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, I wonder if they do this reaction stuff with other stuff. And they do. And, you know, wow. it's like it, it's fun for me to watch people watch something for the first time and with their gut, candid reactions. I love that, too. That's Vic Purcelli, by the way. 9 to 11 on News Talk STL. Totally crushing it. Okay, so that's our preview. We're going to do that. Uh, thank you for your time today on a Sunday, my friend. Oh. Paul, thank you for having me. All right. The compelling and smart Vic Porcelli. That's it for our time today. Please reach out if you're questioning any type of self-harm. Thanks for listening.